Libertarian Voice on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB every Saturday from 3 to 6. It is Holy Saturday and it is also Passover. Tomorrow is Easter. Happy Easter. Happy Passover. Uh, In an effort to be uh, mindful of that and respectful, I thought I would uh, share some stuff that whether whatever your religion or non-religion, I think we can agree that uh, we all that it's a good aspiration to be good. And so I'm reading off to you one by one the virtues. Uh, The first four were cardinal virtues, prudence, justice, fortitude, and temperance. I have a harder time with the theological virtues. So I'm going to give you the two I have the hardest time with right now. Faith and hope. Faith is um, believing in God and all he has said and revealed. And hope is trusting in Christ's promises. Uh, I think that refers to eternal life. I do really struggle. I pray for it. I struggle. I struggle especially with hope in this world. I don't know if we're supposed to have hope that good will win out in this world, but I really find myself uh, struggling with hope on any level because for the main reason is that it is that we've been talking about propaganda. It's stuff that when I look at the news, the 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 glowing box, as I call it, the the cable, the twenty four seven cable cycle of news, I feel like I'm living in the Truman Show. I, I look at that and I just, I, it's laughable sometimes. You know what that what that is, and that I'll be having a you know barbecue at my house, and I'll like show people how ridiculous. Look at how ridiculous that is. I don't even I don't even know if that's real or a green screen. This is how do you know it's true? Those guys could just be lying. It looks like a movie. Maybe it is a movie. I don't know. And uh, and people get mad. They argue. They're like, well, you know, I mean, what are you a liberal? You know, it's of course it's true. You know, it's like I'm just saying I can't believe any of it. I don't even think I think the liberal conservative thing is is um nurtured to keep us at odds with each other while the great welfare warfare compromise marches on in DC those guys always get together like what Trump was saying about the giant spending bill I'm sorry I had to sign this I'm never going to do it again I'm just going to do it this once which is just a ridiculous argument I'm sure Obama had the same mixed feelings when he signed it's like really are you kidding who are you what are you smoking buddy uh they they and what he said was I had to sign off on all the welfare stuff because I need all the warfare stuff. This is the great compromise. Whereas a libertarian, I compromise by saying, I'm not giving you the welfare stuff. I don't want the warfare stuff either. Uh, we can stick to defense. We don't need to go past our shores. Um, and to the extent you want welfare, do it at the state level. You just uh, these states are like countries in Europe. That's the size of them. You do not need to stitch them all together and swap money three thousand miles away. You just don't need to do it. Uh, so the fact that people can't even see that mostly everything you're seeing in the news is there to divert your attention 
from the real uh, horrors that our government are doing. I, call, I consider it a pathocracy, a pathological government doing the opposite of what we are um, delegating for them to do. So I do struggle with hope. and uh, But let us not... Um, I struggle with it, which means I haven't lost. I haven't lost all hope. And and maybe just uh, having the fortitude, which is another virtue, to keep coming back and uh, trying to get the word out, trying to figure out the truth, even if it's if you're not on the radio, but like at, at your barbecue or whatever. Uh, maybe that's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to be personally responsible for do what we can to have the courage, to have the hope, and uh, and do our part. So... Let's see. Now, Binkley, my great producer, who ha- has a couple of more uh, good clips for us and tweets. I noticed that my sister tweeted, Franny, and uh, not sure I understood what it meant, but maybe if you read it to me, I can decipher it. All right. Franny tweeted, scary thought. Russians build up of their navy at the port in Syria and our withdrawal of troops and money for rebuilding might suggest that you're on the right track. It might just be the beginning of something else. Okay. So she was talking about something I said earlier, which is people were, I think some people were hopeful when Trump said they were moving out of Syria. And I'm afraid that really he's clearing the decks. You know, he's getting the troops out so that they can really bomb. You know, like I, I'm really, I'm worried about that. But there was something... Something that I a thought that occurred to me recently that I thought was very interesting. Now, I'm not positive I'm right, but I think I might be. If you look into the history of radical Islam, the British government infiltrated the Muslim Brotherhood in the 30s. I mean, there have been uh, Brzezinski sent in the Taliban to provoke the Soviets to invade Afghanistan. Afghanistan had a secular government. Iran had a secular government. Egypt had Nasser. The Muslim Brotherhood was undermining. The Muslim Brotherhood was also undermining Assad's father, secular, I would call him a dictator, but he was a secular leader of Syria. And he was called bloody Assad because he put down a Muslim Brotherhood uprising. So if you look at the Western hand in radicalizing Islam against secular Arab leaders, you kind of might smell a rat that that's the real reason we're over there because of Islamic terror. That Islamic terror is actually the tool they're using to make society break down, the rule of law break down, to justify our intervention. And I thought, how do you go about doing that? And it occurred to me. If you think about the Virginia, the Charlottesville, Virginia um, protests turned violent, Antifa versus the neo-Nazis, it was widely reported, or at least on some even mainstream media, I think on this station even, that there were agents provocateur on on at least one of the two sides, that the police stood down. So so what I see, so I was just saying this is how it happens. And Binkley, you came up with some clips that I want to hit in a second. Let me just finish making this clear. How how does it happen? How do you take... uh, a, a society that is functioning under the rule of law and uh, mess it up so you can radicalize people so that they are no longer no longer accept any kind of mainstream compromise and then you can make them feel like the system the the 
systems that are in place for them to participate in their governments or to right the wrongs or whatever don't function and that you need to step outside of those. That's how you radicalize and destabilize a society. And then I thought of the clips, Binkley, you played for me a while ago, and and I thought of them in a whole new light. So I want to play both of these clips. I want to play this. I want to play clip three first. Do you do you know what I'm talking about? Can you tell me who the people are who are talking? Is a Panamanian dude and a and a, maybe a lawyer who works with Abrams. They yeah, they're were, both activists. And, they were organizing a protest, right? They were talking after a protest. Right. This is after they had shouted down Stacey Abrams' opponent at Netroots Nation last summer. Okay, so Stacey Abrams and Stacey Evans are the two women running for the Democratic nomination for the Georgia governor. Stacey Abrams is a black female, and Stacey Evans is a white female, and they were... You playing the race card and yeah. trying to shout down. I think that's not even a controversial comment on my part. I hate to wade into that stuff, but I believe it was on its face. That's what they were doing. Yeah, yeah, that's okay. exactly what they're doing. So they were talking about how they shouted down Stacey Evans, who later came out like kind of classy, like and said, oh, "That's not how it's done. You know, don't do that. We we have a good discourse. Stacey Abrams is a Ivy League educated person. We can have we can just exchange ideas, can't we?" Um, that in itself was a good clip. We don't have that one. But we're going to just right now play um, the people defending this approach. Uh, Rachel, if you would, clip three. These things, as disruptive as they are, work. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, for those who are, like, been out of shape or this is not how we do things, I had a former state representative who also was the Georgia lead on the Bernie campaign just comment on another live stream that this is not how we do things. I, this is not how we do things. We don't, we also don't, you know, if I, if, position if I, people. No, go ahead. If I may add, yes. this is not the way things are done if yes. they are done right. In other words, Absolutely. if people have Absolutely. no other avenue. Absolutely. This is what occurs. But of course, people do have other avenues. This is a this is a, a free election. You know, they they're telling people to vote. Obviously, they think it's a free or fair election, or they would say don't vote. Yeah, what do they say? It's important. They're very intelligent people. Oh yes, yeah. Like, you see the protest. It seems like a, a mob. No, but it's highly orchestrated. And and here, actually, the next clip shows you peels the onion one more layer to the guys who are closer to the top and really giving instruction to the front line of the front line of, of youth, if I'm not mistaken. I feel like this is the front line kind of the folds into the March for Our Lives. Yes, this was a, a video the ACL made to uh, train students on how to participate in the March 14th school walkout. Okay, so now remember, I'm talking about this in the context of how do you radicalize and destabilize a stable law-abiding country? And uh, so... I think this is how. So, Rachel, if you would, clip two. We hope that you don't get the impression that we're here to lecture you about following the rules. Um, sometimes, for good reasons, people decide to break the rules. Uh, and in fact, the history of social change in our country uh, involves people getting together to engage in civil disobedience. Uh, that means strategically breaking the law uh, in order to bring more attention, to mobilize uh, attention uh, and involvement in a particular issue with the goal of changing unjust laws. Please, the takeaway here is not us telling you uh, that you have to follow all rules. After all, we represent this guy, uh, Edward Snowden. Uh, sometimes breaking the rules is the best or the only way for you to change a fundamentally unjust situation. 
I forgot that he was going to bring in Snowden. <laughs> that opens a whole can of worms I don't have time for. And let me just tell you, I'm an anarcho-capitalist. I would, I'm, if you want to end slavery and, uh, and a million other wrongs, sure, I, I don't think civil obedience is the way to go. But what there, because you're obedient to an unjust, immoral system, I think you might have a moral obligation to not obey fundamentally immoral laws. But my point is, regardless of what you think of it, these guys are the collectivists. These are the guys who want the bigger, more remote government, the overarching government that controls the whole world. So they're they're telling you to disobey, but only because they want control at the top. And I'm just pointing out, this is how they get uh, crisis. This is how they, they can usher in martial law, which is what what our intervention in these other countries really is about. I got to hit on that Snowden thing now. Like, uh, let's do that. <laughs> I knew you couldn't resist. I know. 800-WSB-TALK, <laughs> or you could tweet at me at Monica Perez Show. Monica Perez. It's a man A man On News 95.5 at AM 750, WSB. High today of 69, tomorrow's high forecast 76. Weekend weather is brought to you by Shoemate Heating and Air, and I have a weekend prize pack for you. It is a family four-pack of tickets to the Atlanta Gladiators' last home game on Saturday, April 7th at Infinite Energy Arena, and a Kroger $50 gift card. So that's awesome. First to call 404-741-0750 gets that prize pack. And uh, and we have, we were talking about before the break, how they're radicalizing and destabilizing this society. Uh, I mean, it looks to me like they are. I, I believe, I've read enough to believe that we've done it in other countries. I think that is absolutely in evidence. It's in the congressional record. And I'm a little freaked that they're doing it here with this Antifa, neo-Nazi thing, the March for Our Lives, the Indivisible, the stuff in the background where they're telling you uh to get radical which i don't even care i don't even care about radical i don't even care about um uh disobeying inherently immoral laws i don't care about that but what but but the the side that's doing it is the side that wants to impose totalitarian you know more power at the top so it's they have to be up to something because they're not really promoting that you examine and follow your conscience in the face of unjust law. They're saying the only way to dominate and strong arm an unwilling society that has democratic features so that people have votes is to deny that or manipulate that. And I am not a fan of strong arming. And even though it sounds like anarchy, it's really, in my opinion, strong arming. But one of the things that caught my ear about this ACLU guy who had just said, we are not telling you to obey the rules. That is not what we're here for. So that's obviously to tell him not to. He said, uh, and you can trust us because we represent this guy, Snowden. Now, I called Snowden as BS from the beginning because he was getting too much press. Those kind of real whistleblowers get suppressed. They get arrested. And then they came out with a movie about him before, you know, like his 10-minute interview in the hotel room that we all saw. The movie is, is like the guys who interviewed him spent like a week with him taking pictures from across the street and from the ceiling and all this crazy stuff. 
you know, it's just it was implausible to me. And that's the kind of thing. I don't need somebody to tell me that's fake news. It's implausible on its face. But the guy who who promotes or funds or whatever the intercept, which is the Glenn Greenwald, Edward Snowden media outlet. This this was this was suppressed by the mainstream media. That's how you know you know that's what really happens when true information comes out. Pierre Omidyar, he I think it was eBay. Was it the eBay founder that he was? I think it was eBay, and he um, was behind this fake, false, fabricated uh, Ukrainian revolution in league with George Soros. So he was basically working with the deep state, as revealed by Victoria Nuland, the Assistant Deputy uh, Secretary of State in charge of Ukraine and that region, her, we, we heard her plotting a coup over the democratically elected government of Ukraine. This guy, Pierre Omidyar, was behind that. And he's also behind Edward Snowden. And so are these people. So that's the kind of, um, these are the kind of interconnections behind the scenes that show where people are like, you're a conspiracy theory. It's like, really? Because all those people are in on this. And what are they trying to do? They're trying to fundamentally transform this country and not for something that is inherently transparent and good and is held up to objective moral standards and open to debate. It's about manipulation. It's about propaganda. Uh, it's about it mobilizing people too young to even vote. Why can't they vote? Because they're easily manipulated. They're too young. You know, I'm, I'm not disparaging, disparaging their rights or their intelligence. You must uh, have some experience to understand, even even just simply to understand being manipulated. So let's get to some calls after the break. 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK, and some tweets at Monica Perez Show. Monica Perez. And now for something completely different. On News 95.5 at AM 750, WSB. Therefore, it's a matter of national security. I've signed this omnibus budget bill. There are a lot of things that I'm unhappy about in this bill. There are a lot of things that we shouldn't have had in this bill, but we were, in a sense, forced, if we want to build our military, we were forced to have. There are some things that we should have in the bill. But I say to Congress, I will never sign another bill like this again. I'm not going to do it again. Nobody read it. It's only hours old. Some people don't even know what it is. $1.3 trillion. It's the second largest ever. President Obama signed one that was actually larger, which I'm sure he wasn't too happy with either. But in this case, it became so big because we need to take care of our military. And because the Democrats, who don't believe in that, added things that they wanted in order to get their votes. This is Monica Perez. I'm the Libertarian Voice on WSB, Saturdays from 3 to 6. Uh, that was President Trump talking about how he was literally, or I guess figuratively, forced to sign the $1.3 trillion spending bill, and he was as unhappy about it as Obama, who we all know hates spending money. I don't like it. <laughs> I don't like it, but it had to anyway. Is that the strong leader you were hoping for? <laughs> yeah. The guy who could stand up? <laughs> To Congress or whatever. I don't know. I don't know what happened. I just had a pen in my hand. I don't know. So, but, but really my larger point is that 
they say, well, I had to horse trade. So every penny of military spending comes with a penny of welfare. And what the funny part is, all those guys, in my opinion, including Trump, are just as happy spending welfare and warfare money. Both. They both want to prop up both sides of that, of the uh, welfare warfare super state, as I have coined it. And uh, they so they act like they're pushing and pulling, but they're really both pushing. You know, they're both pushing the, the spending and that's what you're getting. And it's not different with Trump. It's just it's not different. As a matter of fact, he has silenced the fiscal conservative right the way Obama silenced the anti-war left. I mean, that's what that's what this two party psyop is all about. It's just about it's about um, I love this analogy I made up. It's not a pendulum swinging. It's. A pirate ship, like the pirate ship ride, where they go on one side and you get everybody on board with the big government, and you go on the other side to get the rest of the people on board with it. That's really how it feels to me. Uh, but it is Easter weekend. Happy Easter. It is Passover today. Happy Passover. It's Holy Saturday. And uh, out of respect for that, I thought it would be apropos. I always try to do something topical. What's the biggest story of the week? Easter. So, um, and I also... Totally outside my comfort zone to talk about religion at all. However, I do believe in virtue. I actually, as a libertarian, believe that um, uh, virtue can be, I think they call it like consequentialism. Like virtue might have arisen rather than being handed down by God as like the better way to live. It may have just arisen from... Uh, social experience, 10,000 years of civilization saying, if you want a good society, this is before we had a pathocracy, a state that worked against us. Let's just say a community, a tribe, a family, whatever. If you want to have a good society, you have to behave like this and and um, be a good person, not uh, steal from each other, stuff like that. And these virtues, which I've rattled off already, prudence, justice, fortitude, temperance, faith, and hope. The last one, and I... Uh, I think it's called the greatest one, of course, is charity. It's a theological virtue, and it's uh, the virtue by which we love God above all things for his own sake and our neighbor as ourselves for the love of God. So even if uh, you don't want to put it in, in terms of theology, I do believe that the most important thing that we can do to have a peaceful and virtuous society and a just society and all that is to love each other as ourselves without what is present in many, many organizations, systems, religions, cultures since the beginning of time, which I think this is the most significant thing, is that people will prefer their in-group to their out-group. It's, it's almost like the reason secret societies exist is that whoever's in the in-group will get Skull and Bones is the most famous example of this. So Skull and Bones is a famous secret society out of Yale where um, the rule is if someone's up for a job and, and Skull and Bones generates a lot of presidents. So George W. Bush and John Kerry were running against each other. They were both Skull and Bones and Skull and Bones only generates 15 people a year. So it's pretty amazing that of that, like they were probably in the same class, you know, the two guys who were running for president that year happens to be in the same tiny club at a small school. 
And the but the rule is that you have to promote a bonesman over somebody else in a pool of similarly qualified applicants. If the guy can do the job, he gets the job. And that's just it's the opposite, I think, of what charity is. So I I don't like that. It's one thing I think puts people who follow that at a disadvantage because you can't then compete with others who have a leg up in that way. It's that's when you have to suck it up. For the virtue, but anyway, now I'm really getting, now I'm really like starting to think about metaphysics and philosophy. Let's let's get at it. I don't want to think too deeply. This is <laughs> this is entertainment, and then the at the end of the day, I believe that we are engaged. At least it has to be entertaining, even if it has uh, redeeming qualities beyond that. Don't don't want anybody having to pull over and start thinking. Um, so Binkley, you're here with me. And what, what were we up to? We were, oh, I know you told me something really interesting. We were just before the break talking about how the ACLU guy who was telling, uh, people to not feel constrained by rules, laws, whatnot, I guess, um, that he had defended Snowden. And I was saying, ha ha, Snowden was is is manufactured in my opinion a manufactured hero and he's propped up by uh pierre omajar who was an ebay billionaire these guys like uh who's elon musk for example he's the tesla billionaire he they they get all this credibility in society and then they go and tell you stuff little things that you should know like ai Artificial intelligence, Elon Musk said, is the scariest thing there is. The government has to control it. I'm a totally free market guy, but the government has to control AI. And like, oh, Elon Musk said it. So these guys always seem to be some kind of like puppety operatives anyway. So when Omidyar is behind Snowden, and he's also behind the Ukraine revolution I was talking about in league with George Soros, who loves to create revolutions in Eastern European countries, um... I was just pointing out that these guys are in league, in league with each other behind the scenes. I don't always think we know what they're up to. And that's when you start getting called a conspiracy theorist. Uh, but Binkley closed the circle for me. Soros and Omidyar are also what? They're responsible for something else that we were just talking about. They're the biggest funders of the International Fact-Checking Network, which is putting on International Fact-Checking Day. So all this stuff is coming together. Why? Because you know, there's a movement. You know, there's a goal. I mean, uh, so what, if you missed earlier in the show, we were talking about International Fact-Checking Day. The idea is not so much that they're objectively scouring the earth for real facts by <laughs> examining 10,000 iPhone um, videos of the same event to try to determine the real facts. No, they're... They're scouring your Facebook page for a rogue um, information source that doesn't tow not only the party line, not only does it tow the official narrative, but their their political narratives as well. I mean, what do you have further insight into that, Binkley? Yeah, it's all part of this blue wave they're trying to create. Soros is funding candidates all over the country for the same purpose. So how does the National Fact-Checking Day, uh, I think I have a sense, but how does that tie into the blue wave, in your opinion? How's the it being alternative used? perspectives, basically the International Fact-Checking Network's position is anything, it's premised on anything that Trump says is fake news and the mainstream media is credible and you should trust them. Yeah, actually, let me just say, I, it is gelling in my mind. I think that all this... 
demonizing Russia, Russia election meddling, all that stuff is it it has a purpose like we're going to war with Russia. I don't know what it is, but there's definitely a propaganda purpose there. But what what the here and now and I'm these people plan in advance. So my guess is this has been the main purpose of it since the beginning is that they're saying now we saw that Russia meddled in the 2016 presidential election. Now we have really important midterm elections. We're going to let fool me once. Fool me once. But now we are going to stamp out anything that smacks of Russian fake news, which, I mean, as soon as you can see uh, an elephant in the corner, as soon as you see anything that's pro-Republican, murderers, you know, Republicans are murderers. So anybody who's pro that has to be full of it. So we are going to just make sure you're not bothered with any of that because they're murderers. Yeah. One of the themes, exactly, it's demonization. And one of the themes of the fact-checking network is to... Um, raise up truth before the midterm elections. Raise up truth to, what do you, to you know elevate the truth to make truth go viral is one of the things I read. But in my website. truth is a lot different from their truth. Well, yeah. <laughs> but I want I just want to make clear I'm being sarcastic. People might not know that the theme because Binkley, you keep me connected to uh, the hard left propaganda, and I don't like hard right propaganda either. But to me, that's just it doesn't. It's not a, I, for some reason I, I can take it, but I don't even go down that rabbit hole. But you go through that for us and keep us connected to that. So I've been exposed to a lot of the March for Our Lives propaganda that basically, not basically, it actually said, oh, we've played cl- clips on the air. Republicans are murderers. It's not, you, you know, it's not a gl- mass shootings at schools is not a glitch of their policy. It's a feature of it. Yeah. I mean, kooky stuff so when i say republicans are murderers i'm mocking parroting that's what they're saying and they're going to justify suppressing anything that promotes a republican because it's just plain wrong yeah absolutely and i've experienced that in my own life like why 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 do you want freedom of speech why should that guy freedom of speech when he's wrong yeah (laughs) I mean, that's the message. Right. It's not just Republicans. It's anybody who opposes what they believe. Yeah, and I could go even further where the identity stuff is dominating even beliefs. Yeah. So it's someone who doesn't have as many identity boxes to check, which I really think is cynical and reprehensible and negates the individual and disempowers people and labels them profoundly by the group they belong to um, or, you know, features of their personality that don't necessarily go to their character. It's a helpless mentality they're creating. Yes. Yeah. It's uh, it's groupthink, collective vote. Their actual (laughs) their actual motto is collective vote. Like, how is that empowering anyway? So uh, let's wrap it up after the break. Uh, I do have time for one more call. If you want 800 WSB talk, you could tweet at me at Monica Perez show. Monica Perez. Maybe it's something really cool that I don't even know about, you know. On News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. Mostly to partly sunny with a forecast high of 78 for Monday as the work week begins. But that could change, so stay tuned to WSB for weekend weather, brought to you by Shoemate Heating and Air. Uh, we don't have a ton of time, but I was hoping that um, it is Easter weekend. I hope people are having a great holiday. Uh, and I 
was hoping that Binkley here, my producer, would leave us on a light note. You usually have something up your sleeve, and uh, and I think you had something that I liked. So what do you got? You want to set it up? You want to... Yeah, Roseanne debuted a couple of weeks ago and had great ratings, already been renewed for season two because she's a Trump supporter. And it's a pretty good show, although it does see a lot of uh, liberal propaganda underneath that guise of a conservative show. Do you think that it's making good, better points? Like when you watch it, is making, is it more convincing from the liberal point of view? What do you mean? As the liberal characters play devil's advocate or whatever, are they more convincing than Roseanne with her pro-Trump arguments? Well, here's my perspective on it. So far, it's made both Trump and Hillary supporters look very dumb while pushing the same progressive themes that we're seeing on all of television, just not as direct, very indirect in in doing so. Okay. I know you queued up a clip for us does this this clip this go to this clip's pretty funny this is roseanne arguing with her sister jackie because jackie is a uh she's a nasty woman and roseanne is deplorable and they're they're <laughs> the making dialectic. up yes they're making up all right let's hear this clip i never said you were stupid <laughs> well i didn't mean it you're relatively smart <laughs> I guess I didn't mean to imply that you're some right-wing jackass. I should have tried to understand why you voted the crazy way that you did. And I should have understood that, you know, you want the government to give everybody free health care because you're a good-hearted person who can't do simple math. That seemed pretty neutral. That seemed a little back and forth. I think I cut it off a little short. She goes on to talk after that. And she says, you can't do simple math because you thought everybody needed... Uh, she goes into the healthcare stuff a little bit more. Yeah, well, actually, the, the healthcare stuff, people who are really in favor of it quite often are people who need it. So I don't... And I can understand if you need it, and maybe... And, and they're desperate. But I'm kind of moving away from the idea that it's like purely ideological. I think it's like... As even George Washington said, you cannot count on people voting against their own interests. They're always just going to vote for their interests. Yeah. So uh, I guess that's it for today. We should direct people. Um, I don't even I'm not even posting on YouTube anymore, I think, after my suspension. <laughs> so what where can people go? What do they do? How can they listen? And also to our podcast, which I think are fun in a different way. So lay it on them. PropagandaReportDaily.com, and you can click on the Apple icon or the Android icon to subscribe to the podcast on the right. All right, very good. So we are, uh, my show is pretty much on um, most uh, Saturdays from 3 to 6 from now on. So that's the regular time, and I will be back next week, Saturday, 3 to 6. Thanks, everybody. This is Monica Perez. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early, so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.